ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. When Hamas attacked Israel just over two weeks ago, they took more than 200 hostages back to Gaza. Since the weekend, the militant group has started releasing some of them. So why now? And how do they choose who will be free? Today, expert in hostage-taking and recovery from the Northwestern University in Illinois, Danny Gilbert, on how their freedom was negotiated and whether more can be saved. Danny, we've seen the first release of hostages from Gaza, initially two Americans, a mother and her daughter. It was a huge relief for their families, wasn't it? Huge relief. I think that people have been uncertain whether and when any of the hostages might be coming home. So it's always good news to see even a couple coming out of captivity. Judith Renan and her 17-year-old daughter Natalie are the first hostages to be freed since Hamas gunmen attacked Israel. Hamas says it has released them after reaching an agreement with the Qatari government. I spoke with my daughter. She looks good. She feels good. So she, she'll be 18 next week. So it's the best present. Yeah, the US President Joe Biden spoke to the two Americans over the phone, Judith and Natalie, after they were released. Hey, Nat, how are you? God love you. I just want to say thank you for your services for Israel. Look, that's that's been a long serving. I'm just delighted we're able to get you out. We've been working on it a long time. We're going to get them all out, God willing. How significant, Danny, was it that they were American nationals who were released first. I think we might expect that if Hamas is going to release hostages, that they might release non-Israeli citizens. Mm -hmm. So that might be some of the other Americans who are held hostage or other foreigners who do not have Israeli passports who might be released in addition. But we also saw two Israeli citizens who were also released from captivity. Yes, of course, and they were elderly. So why were they released? One of the expectations of hostage-taking is that hostage-takers need to keep hostages alive to be able to coerce concessions, to be able to trade what they might want. And so it's not always helpful for hostage-takers if they have hostages in captivity that are not handling the captivity well. And so we might expect that some of the elderly hostages or some of the young children might be released not only on humanitarian grounds, which is what Hamas said was the basis of the release, but also because they might not think that hostages are valuable to them if they can't make it through captivity. You know, there are now hundreds of families all around the world who are living every moment in a hell of captivity mm. as they they don't know 
how their loved ones are. They don't know if their loved ones are alive or dead uh, or whether they might be coming home. I'm begging the world to bring my baby back home. She only went to a party, to a festival party, to have some fun. And now she's in Gaza. We know that Inbar was taken to Gaza uh, while she's alive. Uh, she might got hurt, we cannot really say from, from the testimonial. I, I, just, I just want her back. Like, like every, everyone that is kept there should be returned to, to, to his family. They were taking in and um, the door was broken and I could hear my youngest who was on the phone with me with his phone saying, don't take me, I'm too young. And that was the last I've heard of him. It's an ongoing torment of their families and of the communities that they belong to as they live in this ongoing uncertainty. A big worry would be the conditions that the hostages are being kept in. Mm. What do we know about that? Captivity is always difficult. It is. It may be cramped. It may be dark. Hostage takers might be treating their captives quite poorly. We don't necessarily have a good sense of how the various kidnappers are treating their captives. We've seen a video of one dual French-Israeli citizen who seems to have been treated with medical care in captivity. And when Hamas held Israeli soldier Gilad Shalit many years ago, they supposedly treated him with basic humane treatment. All of that is complicated by the ongoing siege, by the fact that water, electricity, fuel are in scarce supply. The Israeli military says 222 people were kidnapped, and that's a number that's been revised upwards. Do you think they have the right number now, or could that keep changing? I think the number might keep changing. One of the things that has been distinctive about this hostage-taking compared to so many other kidnappings in the past is the sheer number not only of the hostages, but of the potential hostage takers. We have a sense that not only were, were Hamas militants coming into Israel to kidnap Israelis and other foreigners, but that there were individuals from another militant organization, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and also possibly unaffiliated individuals who crossed the fence and took Israeli captives. And so without an understanding of who is holding the hostages, it really complicates the ability to count how many there are or get a sense of their survival or well-being. Yeah. And what do we know about the makeup of these hostages, Danny? Who are they? It's a really wide range of individuals from Israel and from other countries as well. Mm -hmm. And so while typically armed group kidnappers like to target uh, able-bodied men, sometimes they take, in the case of the Palestinian militant groups, they like to kidnap Israeli soldiers. This was not just the taking of Israeli soldiers, but numerous civilians, including 
children, babies, mothers, grandmothers, the elderly, just a huge range of ages and the kind of people who are being held that we don't even have a sense of where they're all coming from. Mm, all right. Well, let's go back to the release of some of these hostages. Mm-hmm. Qatar had a big role in negotiating the release of these people. Why is Qatar involved in this? So Qatar has been involved in hostage negotiations uh, with when there are Western hostages for quite some time. They have been uh, a part of numerous U.S. hostage negotiations. One of the reasons that they might play a particularly significant role in these hostage negotiations is because Hamas has a headquarters in Qatar. And so it is one of the countries in the region with ongoing ties to Hamas and the ability to communicate with and talk to its leaders with a direct channel that doesn't exist with every other country. Mm, So Qatar, a tiny country in the Persian Gulf, is acting as a middleman. It's an ally of America and it has an open line with Hamas. So in that sense, it's quite powerful. But why do you think it's convinced Hamas to start releasing some of these hostages now? And How do they actually then choose who they will release? It's a great question. So there are a few different motives that might be behind some of these hostage releases. On the one hand, it might be a PR campaign. It might be an effort by Hamas to look more humane in the eyes of the world. It might be an effort to gain sympathy to their cause. And some of those negotiations might be purely about humanitarian release. But there also might be ongoing negotiations about conditional releases, conditional negotiations. In other words, are there any hostages that Hamas might release in exchange for some concessions or some sort of negotiated outcome that Qatar and other countries might be able to help facilitate? The U.S. president, he's been urging Israel to delay a ground offensive into Gaza to buy more time to negotiate the release of hostages. Mm-hmm. Is more time needed to try and get some of them back to Israel, do you think? So both sides will inevitably be trying to use time to their advantage. It mm-hmm. takes time to successfully complete negotiations in order to free hostages from captivity. The hostage takers will also be hoping that in buying time that they are able to prevent an Israeli ground invasion. Mm. Um, And at the same time, Israel announced that it would not make exceptions to its siege until all hostages are freed. And so all of the different actors are watching the clock, especially when it comes to particularly vulnerable hostages like children and the elderly for whom captivity will get harder and harder as time goes on. Yeah. And what would a ground invasion mean for the safety of the hostages? Is military recovery actually an option? So the Israeli government has in the past turned to military rescues to try to bring hostages out of captivity. But hostage recovery missions are very difficult and very dangerous. 
specifically to successfully recover hostages in a military rescue. Mm. The military needs up-to-date, accurate, timely intelligence to figure out where hostages are and the conditions in which they're being held. And rescue missions are extremely dangerous, particularly in an urban environment like Gaza. Mm. So much so that hostage rescue attempts represent the time in captivity when hostages are most likely to die. And so recovery efforts, if they are being planned, will be focused on not only the intelligence, but figuring out, is it possible to launch a recovery mission that brings back the hostages and the hostage recovery personnel safely? Mm, All right. Well, Danny, you've advised governments on hostage recovery. What would you be telling the Israelis now? I imagine that the Israeli government is aware that Hamas will try to use different hostages differently, will try to pit different communities against each other, will try to pit different countries and their hostages against each other. That the best way to bring hostages home alive has always been through negotiations. And so I hope that they are patiently and carefully exploring every possible option that it might take to bring the hostages out of captivity. Danny Gilbert is an assistant professor of political science at the Northwestern University in Illinois, where she researches the causes and consequences of hostage-taking. This episode was produced by Bridget Fitzgerald, Nell Whitehead and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.